The Chris Sheeran Show, only on YesNetwork.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Chris Sheeran Show redo <laughs> once again. <laughs> it's Chris Sheeran and Lou DePietro now joining me. Now, Lou, I, I want you to know, you're probably the next one out of here. <laughs> I, I was going to say, is your, is, your, is your podcast co-host position like the... Uh... You know the rotating. I'm telling uh, you right now, it's like now, an internship. I'm telling you right now, yeah, you're you're like my Owen Wilson to my Vince Vaughn. I don't go anywhere. You you, you leave and and I stay here. I'm the one constant to this podcast. Of course, we got to bring up my my first partner in crime, uh, Joe Oriema, w- which was the Off the Wall podcast. Yes, the award winning the award winning. I, yes. I can't leave that out. Yes. Um, then after that. You know, we kind of spawned into two. I went solo, and then you and Doug created the Yes Men, Doug mm-hmm. Williams, that is, who is now off at SNY, uh, furthering his career for the better, so good for him. Uh, and Doug and I did the Chris Sheeran show. We instituted that. And now that the Yes Men is gone and Doug is gone, we've kind of morphed. <laughs> it's the Chris Sheeran Men yeah. show. <laughs> Where's that sound effect from uh, Two and a Half Men? Men. No, we don't need that. But yeah, so it's me and Lou. So we, we're here. We press on. Yeah. Uh, as Willy Wonka once said, pressing on. Uh, well, it's an honor to be uh, sitting next to a award-winning podcast oh host boy. as yourself. So it's, it's, there's the random suck-up uh, moment of the show. It's and, extremely, and we'll go on. it's extremely thin in here right now. <laughs> um, go on. <laughs> But let, let's start where pretty much Doug and I left off, and, and that's with the New York football giants. Um, you know, I, 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 I could talk about the Jets. We could start talking about the Jets, but uh, pretty much we'd be, you know, wasting our breath. Why? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, they just got crushed uh, by the Bills in Detroit. It, it, it just makes no sense. That 38-3, Rex Ryan comes out after the game mm-hmm. and says, uh, we didn't block, we didn't tackle, we didn't do much of anything. And when your head coach says those three things – you don't talk about the team. So anyway, let, let's let's talk about the Giants. Now, I know the Giants only have one more win than the Jets. I mean, five wins combined between these two teams. It, it's just horrific. It's it's a horrific season. I just wrote a blog for my website, chrisheeran.com. If you want, you could head over there and check it out and check out all my blogs. I, you know how I like to inject humor and 80s pop culture references into my blogs all the time and, and lose right around the same when, you know, when it comes to his writing, when he gets a chance, which is why I love, you know, working with Lou and, you know, walking by his cube and talking to Lou from time to time. But my, my thought in that whole thing, I just remembered something my dad used to say to me every time I got out of my dad's car uh, when I went to Pop Warner football practice. And every time I, 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 opened, I, I put my hand on the latch to open the door, he would say, Chris, remember, you can't make chicken salad out of chicken you know what. And I think we all know how that uh, saying goes. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's, you know, it just clicked into my head. That is the New York football giants. And everybody wants to get rid of Tom Coughlin and everybody wants to get rid of Jerry Reese. Now, look, have they made some mistakes? I think so. Um, has Tom Coughlin lost the locker room as Tiki Barber thinks he has? Absolutely not. If Tom Coughlin lost that locker room, that game against the Cowboys the other night wouldn't have been a game. And as far as Eli Manning goes, and everybody who wants to jettison Eli Manning, and I promise I'm going to let you talk in two seconds. I just want to get all these points out first. It's your show. I, I, stop. It's our show. It just has my name on it for some reason. I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, I digress. But I, I really don't think he's lost the locker room. I think Tom Coughlin, and you know, they give him you know 
this, the business, as the officials once said. Uh, they give Eli Manning the business. They give Jerry Reese the business. It, it, and they want to blame this entire game on Eli Manning. And that Look, was a, a horrendous pass in the third quarter when he had Patterson wide open? Yes. And if you ask me, I think the guy, and I'm not even joking here, I think the guy was so shocked that he had so much time to throw that he rushed to throw. He's rushed, he's hurried, he's hit, he's sacked all game long, and then he's back there, and he has, look, when you're a quarterback, you have an internal clock. You know when you're about to get hit, and when you're hit as many times as Eli has been hit this season because of that porous offensive line, that internal clock went off, and Eli almost said to himself, it looked like he said to himself, oh my God, I'm going to get hit, i got to throw, and he threw the ball. It was high. Patterson tips it. It gets picked, but if you're going to talk about that, The Giants had the lead with three minutes left because of Eli Manning driving them down the damn field. It was like an eight-minute drive. He kept Romo and the Cowboys' offense off the field. So you can't get on Eli Manning's case. You cannot in this situation. The Giants are a mess in a lot of ways, but their quarterback, their head coach, and their GM, in my eyes, in my opinion, are not the ones you should be pointing fingers at right now. Four points I'm going to make. Based off of, of what you just said. And I'm going to shut up. Number one is something I said to Doug weeks ago on, on the Yes Men. Bad teams find ways to lose football games the same way good teams find ways to win them. The Giants find re- creative ways to lose football games seemingly every week. If you want to blame Eli for a loss, blame him for the 49ers game where he threw all those picks and Terrible. they still only lost by a few points. Terrible. You can blame him for that. Not his fault on Sunday night. Yeah, maybe he was surprised that he had so much time to throw, but counteract his normal drop back with Tony Romo having roughly a minute and a half to throw the ball on the final drive as our, on every play. As our former buddy Joe Oriema said on Facebook, Tony Romo could have read War and Peace Tony as Ro- he dropped back to throw. He, he could have written War and Peace back there as he dropped back to throw. You know, you counteract that, they, they got no pressure there. The, the Cowboys' offensive line, which they used their first-round pick to bolster that offensive line that's Zach been a Martin. problem for the last Absolutely. couple of years, look what happened. DeMarco Murray is one of the elite rushers in the, in the league this year. Tony Romo had oodles of time to throw on that final drive when he needed it. That was points number one and two combined. Point number three is, if you want somebody that's going to be immediately culpable for the way this giant season is, and this is something else I said a couple weeks ago in, after the Seahawks game, the shot Fox had of Perry Fuel laughing as Russell Wilson ran the naked bootleg again and again and again into the end zone pretty much sums up who's to blame for a lot of it. I know they have a lot of injuries on defense. Perry Fuel is supposed to be one of the great defensive coordinators in the game. Right now, he looks like Homer Simpson playing electronic football over on the sidelines based <laughs> on his defense. That's pretty much where they stand. That's point number three. Point number four is they're still the best team in New York, as sad as that is. And Odell Beckham Jr.'s catch is something that's going to be living on highlight reels for years and years and years. See, I, you got I, that going. Yeah, for you. I, I, I see. I get mad with that. Now, I, I think it's a great. It's one of the greatest catches I've ever seen in my life. It really was, but it was a loss. I mean, yep. see, this is something I can't stand when it comes to athletes of today. And T. Y. Hilton, who he, you know, he caught the. Touchdown pass, and he had the, his daughter earlier that day, yep. so he rocked. I had I had no problem with that. Here's my problem with T.Y. Hilton: when he scores a touchdown, he takes both of his thumbs and points to his name on the back of the jersey. That drives me 
crazy. I know you work all your life to get to the NFL to get your name on the back of the jersey. I get that. But once you're on an NFL team, it's about the team. It's not about you. It's not about your individual accomplishments. And in this Twitter universe that we live in right now, and it's not just sports. This goes to everything. This talks to every little Mm -hmm. thing. You know, I went to school for four and a half years. I'm sure you went to school for four years plus, a a Temple grad, a proud Temple grad, who who went for broadcast journalism, who did all the things necessary to, to be in this position that you're in right now. You know, there's a 12-year-old who could buy a website, have a blog, and have a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> and doesn't have and, to go to school. And they do. And they broke the news that Billy Butler <laughs> signed with the Athletics. <laughs> we know this. See, that's what I'm talking about. We know this. That's what I'm talking about. But and neither, neither you or I are here because we're the greatest thing since sliced bread. I'm no. not saying you suck and I'm not saying I no. suck. But there's a lot of people that are instrumental in the fact that we're sitting here having this discussion right exactly. now, other than us. With this equipment that's right in front of us, right. too. But Thanks, Joe. Yeah, thanks, Joe. Appreciate <laughs> that. Um, but getting back to the Giants, I mean, I, I, listen, and you hear all these radio talk, talking heads, uh, well, the Giants are 11 and 19 in their last 30 games. Uh, yeah, okay. What about all the injuries, okay? This goes back to the chicken salad, chicken you-know-what discussion. Think about that for a second. All the mayonnaise, celery, and onions could not help Tom Coughlin make chicken salad out of this team. They can't. As Lou just said, and this is the best point, and this is what I think of every week, bad teams find ways to lose games. Good teams close out games and get W's. The bad teams are the ones, if you watch, if you go back, if you have this game on DVR, God bless you if you didn't delete it yet. But if you have this game on DVR, go watch that last Cowboy drive again. Go watch that NASCAR package of the Giants defensive line. They're, they're out of gas. They're out of gas. And this is something that fans really don't factor in. And, and Lou, back me up on this. The Cowboys' offensive line is one of the best offensive lines in professional football, if not the best offensive line in professional football. Mm -hmm. Three of the guys on that line are 25 and under. (laughs) That should scare the bejesus out of every fan in the NFC East. Because say what you want about Tony Romo and how he never won a big game, but there aren't too many guys in this league at that position of quarterback who could pick apart a team when he gets the amount of time. Eli could do the same thing. Yep. He could do the same thing. Eli could do the same damn thing if he has the time to throw the ball. But Romo, I even sat back and said, oh, my God, he's running to his left. He's throwing the ball back to his right. And these balls, they're like pinpoint. They're right where they should be. Tony Romo isn't having these interceptions late in the fourth quarter. Like He took them right down the field like a hot knife through butter. The Cowboys, I mean, you could say what you want. That defensive line had nothing left. And you know why they had nothing left? Because they were getting their rear ends handed to them all game by that Cowboys offensive line. You cannot be out there the whole time getting pounded by – I don't care if you're JPP. I don't care if you're Ayers, who's had a pretty good season for the Giants this year. It wears you down. When you have to face those five guys all game, it wears you down. And the Giants showed that. I just looked – it was pathetic. I looked at their rush, and I was just like, I, it wasn't like they weren't trying. It wasn't like for lack of effort, but you could tell, Lou, they were gassed. They were done. They were. I actually did have the game on DVR because I was watching 
the Survivor Series, of all things, <laughs> uh, on Sunday night. So I, I watched the game, you know, a little bit yesterday. Um, yeah. The Cowboys' offensive line is good. They're young, like you said. And DeMarco Murray is also in that very similar age bracket. Not so old. That's, I know the, the life expectancy for an NFL running back is a lot less, but either way, th- that's a solid combo. They, they're on the field a lot. Yeah. I mean, you know, this is a problem. I say problem because it's about the only word I can think of. In the first year of the Chip Kelly era in Philadelphia, late in games, the defense got worn down because they were on the field so much because the offense was so fast that the defense, you know, it's, they never really got a chance to catch their breath. You make changes. You amend things. They, they run different plays. The defense, they got better, faster, stronger, whatever you want to, you know, adjective you want to use. And that's been less of an issue this year. That's what the Giants are facing now. Their defense is on the field so much that by the end of the game, they've got nothing left. Well, what does this Giants defense have to do with Ronald Reagan? Can you, can you guess? Oh, do they a, have a library named after them in California? Stare. No. It's they like jelly beans. Like, like trickle-down economics. This giant defense, which has been under duress because of the injuries that you brought up and that everybody knows about all season long, but it's exactly what you said. They're on the field for these lengthy drives. They're depleted by injuries. Their linebacking core would not be the third string, some of them, not all of them. But, look, I love Herzlick. He's a great story. He's not a starting linebacker in the NFL. He's just not. No. He can't cover these guys coming out of the backfield. He can't cover tight ends. He just can't. Like Jaquan Williams, when he was healthy, I don't think he's a starter in the NFL. Everybody raves about mm-hmm. how the strides that he made, and he still gets – he's like Elvis Patterson. He gets toasted. Toast. All the time. Um, I love McLean. At the, uh, filling in for Beeson, I think he's done a, an admirable job uh, for the Giants. Um, but it's that trickle-down effect. It's being on the field for these extended drives, the offense going three and out, and being back on the field, and the injuries. It's just a recipe for disaster. This has nothing to do with t- Tom. You, you could put... Bill Belichick on the sidelines. You could put Bill Parcells on the sidelines. You could put George <laughs> Hallis. You could put Vince Lombardi. They're not making chicken salad out of this Giants team. No one is. Take any coach over the course of NFL history. They are not coaching this team to a winning record. It is not the coach. My chest hurts. It is <laughs> not the coach. It's not the coach. The past two years, was it Joe Girardi the past two years with the Yankees? What did he have to work with? No, if anything, it was Joe Girardi that kept them in it a lot. Exactly. It was his managing skills that had them win as many games as they did. What was it, 89 two years ago? uh, 85 and 84. 85 and 84 the last two years. And that Mm -hmm. was because of Joe Girardi. The Yankees have been just decimated by injuries. Like when the Giants got out to the 3-2 and start – I was a little optimistic. I was. I have to admit. They were 0-2. I was like, here we go again. Then they won three in a row against losing teams. Mind you, they're 0-8 against teams with winning records. That's not good. <laughs> and but, 3-0 and against teams with losing records. Yeah. So, One of which happens to lead a division, which is my final point today. So I'm not even going to go there the until The Giants then. are who they are. You are what your record is. They are a mediocre team. And I said this to Doug I think game two or three of this losing streak, I said, I've seen this movie before. Yep. It's the Yankees all over again. 
it's basically you're taking a team that did have talent, that did bring in some key free agent acquisitions. They either got hurt, cut, or what? A trend in holiday. Or our name Dominique Rogers Cromartie. Yeah, well, yeah. He's playing through injury. I, I don't want to get on him. But Trendon Holiday. There's a reason he's been on four teams in five years, uh, Chris. I guess. Okay. I'm just saying. Uh, here's a guy. <laughs> I just I hear Caliendo doing Madden. Now, here's a guy in Trendon Holiday um, that came in, got hurt. Then the Giants cut him. He was picked up, <clears throat> I believe, by the Bills or the Ravens and then cut again. So here was a guy that was supposed to come in and be the, this return specialist, and I don't even think he's on a team right now. No, he had that one good return for the Broncos back in the day. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you know, that's... Jerry Reese's moves, I agreed with every single one. of them. He, he addressed mm-hmm. issues where the Giants needed to address issues. Now, depending on what they do with Eli coming up, because he only has the one year left on his deal, they're going to they're gonna have some serious cap space here. Then they're in a bit of a salary crunch either way because if he gets the contract that he's quote-unquote worth, yeah. there's not gonna, it's not going to leave a lot, of, lot no, of room. There won't leave a lot of wiggle room, but I know being the team player that he is and he probably wants to stay in New York. Yep. Um, take a lesser contract and put something contract. around me. Hey, get me an offensive yeah. line. Get me a running back. For I the mean, love of God, get me something. You know, I'll I'll take the pay cut. I won't I won't take as much as I should command. But you guys need to take the stuff that I'm not going to take and put in my own bank account and get me a, a couple pieces on the line. Get me a running back. Get us a linebacker. Get the defense some help. This is what the Giants need to do. Okay, I think they're in a better position than the Jets because the Jets still don't have a quarterback. They don't. They most, don't. Most Pop Warner teams are in a better position than the Jets. The Jets are a dumpster fire on top of a mess. Oh, boy. <laughs> at this point. I mean, that organization. Rex Ryan said, you mentioned at the top of the show, Rex Ryan said, we didn't block, we didn't do yeah. this. He also said, I'm the head coach of this team for the next five games, which is a quote that's only uttered by someone who absolutely knows that the season, the season ends on December 27th yeah. and on December 28th. He is fired. Yeah. The, Goodbye. The, the writing's been on the wall. And, you know, the, coaches always say they're hired to be fired. And in this case, yeah. Rex Ryan – see, I would bring Tom Coughlin back. The Jets can't bring Rex back. They can't. They need – in my estimation, and I know this is a lot of Jet fans' feelings too because a lot of them are my friends. <laughs> Uh, and I feel for all of them, especially my buddy Mike, who listens to this podcast, so I'll give him a quick shout-out there. Uh, Mr. Tita, uh, uh, football coach at Perth Amboy High School in New Jersey. What's up? Anyway, <laughs> um, but he's a loyal listener, so I figured I'd give him a shout-out. That's at least one. Um, yeah. uh, so I really do think they need to cut ties with Rex, cut ties with their general manager. They need to bring in a brand-new general manager, uh, and have that general manager hire his own head coach, go through the process, and then start building a team. Uh, y- y- Idzik, his draft picks, I think eight of the 13 draft picks he made this year are no longer in the league. They're not even in the league. Not even in the league. Not and, on a roster. And when you look at some of them, too, there's guys that were selected that play positions or do things where there's guys elsewhere in the NFL that were drafted later, You know, same position, wide receivers being one of them. That are doing very well. Five wide receivers who are not in the league yeah. that he took. And there's wide receivers that he could have selected in any of those spots that are doing very well for themselves. Yeah. They're not 
rookie of the year candidates by any means because most fifth and sixth and seventh round draft picks aren't. See, th- but they're doing very well where they are. I take a guy like Joe Beningo, who, who's been a long-suffering Jet fan, and you know those are the people that I listen to and 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 I respect what mm-hmm. they have to say. And he basically said, "You can. <laughs> this is not. <laughs> this is not the place to have a guy start out." as a general manager. Idzik was a cap guy with yep. Seattle. Um, you know, he, was, he never held the position of general manager with any team before he got here to New York. You can't roll the dice on somebody that doesn't have any GM experience. You don't, you don't start out at the top. If you're in the a cap top, guru, in the top be market. a cap guru. Yeah. You don't start out in the top in the top market, and that goes for any business, football, television, <laughs> you know, any media business. You don't just come out of college and become the lead anchor on Channel 2 News because that's the position that's held for the top of the top in the CBS right, chain. Right, Same thing in football. You don't come out and be, well, I, you know, you, you don't come out and be a, a fourth-string assistant coach at a D3 college and then all of a sudden take over the head coaching job at UConn when Jim Calhoun retires. You don't do that. Mm-hmm. There's steps up the ladder. This is not the step up the ladder John Idzik was ready for, no. lack, lack of a better no. way to put it. No. And I agree we, with you 100%. And here we are talking about the Jets, which I said we didn't want to do, but you kind of have to. You, you can't ignore it. Um, you want to move on, talk a little bit about baseball, or what do you we got? We can. I, I'll just say one last thing that I've said to yeah. Doug, too, and, and I know you're against it. I, I liken Tom Coughlin at this stage of his career to Bobby Cox. I know it's not his fault. I get it. But the Giants have been, for the majority of the last decade, somewhere between 8-8 eight and eight and 10-6 and six, with a couple of runs where they got hot right at the right time and won the Super Bowl, both of which came on plays that, you know, they made a great play to continue a drive to win the game. Or a good stop, or Ahmad Bradshaw accidentally fell into the end zone, either way. Well, you got the Manningham catch in the second yep. one. And you, you got, got the Tyree the catch, Tyree obviously. Catch in the first one. So I'm not disparaging what they've done because my team's been to the Super Bowl once in my lifetime and never won one. Who's that? The, the Eagles. Well, 1980, I wasn't born when they went to the Super Bowl, so I was like, I was seven. I was like negative. <laughs> it was like negative five months, maybe. I was a baby bump. I don't <laughs> know. Whatever you want to call it. So I'm not negating anything they've done, but at this point, the Giants are what they are. Maybe it's just time for a different voice, clean house. Change things. They made it twice. They made it in in eighty, and then with I uh, wasn't born yet. In, I, I wasn't born yet, and that point in nineteen eighty, I was born later in the year. Oh, so just oh, okay. Right. So you just saw the one. That's right. what you were saying. Okay. So maybe it's just time for a different voice. Maybe if they bring in a different coach, obviously the issues with the players, the injuries, the the makeup of the team, maybe it doesn't change anything. But maybe it's just time for a different voice. That's that's my only thought on it. And I had said that to Doug a few weeks ago, and I still feel the same way. I listen. I don't. I, I'm not going to argue that point with you because if they did go in another direction, I could see that as well. Right. But as a Giant fan, if they were to re-sign this guy for another three years, I wouldn't go nuts. I, it wouldn't bother me. And he's and he's a Hall of Fame coach. Let's be honest. He's got two Super Bowls in New York. He won in Jacksonville with an expansion team. He won almost it B- took him to the Super Bowl. He won at BC. You know, he came from BC. Remember where what he, he was... did to Shula? Yep. And and was it Marino? Mm-hmm. Put up sixty-two points on them. He and he he was a he was a winner at BC before he came to the NFL. And it's Hall not, of Fame coach. Listen, no it, doubt about it. It's not just he he's not just a Hall of Fame coach. He's a Hall of Fame person. And and I know people might think that's cheesy for me to say, but you know, 
look up some of the charitable yep. things that Tom mm-hmm. Coughlin does. You know, he takes he takes his team before the season starts. He takes him to the uh, Twin Towers Memorial that just opened. You know, just to give them, in essence, what that meant to the city. Right. You know what it meant to what it means to play for this city. You mm-hmm. know, th- there were giant fans. Uh, that day that passed away, you know, you could guarantee that, you know, he, he brings them to do these things. He's not just what he has been able to do for this team on the field and bring two Super Bowl championships uh, back to the city. And the Giants now have four um, and they've been to five. Um, Jim Fossil was the one before Coughlin in 2000. And I still have nightmares about that. <laughs> and that defensive holding on the hammer just continues to drive me crazy because if that is a touchdown and I forget who intercepted it and took it back for a touchdown. Um, but why can't I remember? Was it-, it was a linebacker, but someone picked it off, took it in for a touchdown. It would have tied the game at seven. And, uh, that changed the whole complexion of the game. They called defensive holding on Keith Hamilton. And they had hammered the Vikings in the NFC Championship game that Oh, year, my right? God. Yeah, yes. so they, they came in hot. Yeah, I yeah. think they won that game 41-14 yeah. or something I, I know like it was a, I know it was a blowout. But, you know. Sorry, Dante. Again, yeah. Again, it just – I know I'm flip-flopping here mm-hmm. like a politician, but I, I'm fine with either way yeah. the Giants move forward. I, it wouldn't bother me if Coughlin stayed – it also wouldn't bother me yeah. if he went. But if they do bring somebody in, like everybody starts banding about the name Bill Cower. You don't want to replace Tom Coughlin with Bill Cower. No. If, if you want to do this, do it right. Vet somebody. Don't change the offense. God, everybody wants to get rid of McAdoo. Can we knock it off? Can we get an offensive line? He gets a pass because he's brand, brand he's new. Brand, it's a brand new yeah. system. And newsflash, if Eli has time to throw. He's good. He's good. He's good. He, he can't do – he's not Aaron Rodgers. He can't get flushed out. He's not Tony Romo in that essence where he could get flushed out of the pocket and make the play longer. He's not that guy. He's a pocket passer. He steps up in the pocket. He doesn't run either. And there were, there were times where he could have run, but he just chooses not to. Eli Manning, be careful what you wish for, Giant fans. Mm-hmm. Be careful what you wish for. If you want to go through another 10-year stretch with Dave Brown and Danny Cannell – and then Steve DeBerg, by all means. What was it? Kent Graham? And Kent, I forgot about Kent Captain Graham? Kent. Kent Graham. And I love DeBerg, by the way. There was no one in my lifetime that ran the play action better than yeah. Steve DeBerg. At, at age 40 plus, yeah. though. I mean, he's, yeah. you know. He was like the Giants version of Vinny Testaverde. Vinny Testaverde. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just thinking that. Absolutely. Here's, here's a name that could be interesting, just if you're thinking about searching for a new coach. Steve Spagnuolo. Just, just throwing I, that out there. I, you know, it, it wouldn't bother me. If you were going to go that route, I would rather Spags come in back and fix the defense. Well, yeah, absolutely. Come back in. Keep Coughlin. Sign him to three more years. Can fuel and sign Spags. Can fuel, sign Spags. Hey, your job is to clean the defense up. If you do that, Tom mm-hmm. has agreed to retire or whatever, and you're the new head coach. He's done it a couple places, and he's got the Jim Johnson pedigree. So Right, and that way he could bring in his disciples mm-hmm. – to follow with the defense, and that way you do it right. That's a good idea. Build from within. Yep. Whether they do it that way, right. it, it remains to be seen. So, it's a process, as yeah, Mike Tannenbaum it, would yeah, say. It, no, it's not just Mike Tannenbaum. It's everybody. It, it's, it's every NBA team that, that went under changes this year. Carmelo Anthony. We, Don, I, just, I just suck right now. Donnie Marshall yeah, and I you do, joked LeBron. about it on the pregame show a couple of nights back. You know, all these guys are talking, and we came out of sound, and Donnie had a point, and then I said, Donnie. 
it's a process. And then I went to break, and then we go to break, and yeah. Donnie goes, a little behind the scenes for you here. Donnie goes, I don't know how he just did that and kept a straight face. <laughs> I, I was I, watching that. I laughed. I laughed because I know how you are, and I know where that came from. Because Darren Williams and LeBron James and Carmelo Anthony and all these guys, it's a process, you know, it's a new team, we're fragile. Now now the Cavs are fragile, by the way. Yeah, Have and LeBron sucks. One? And LeBron stinks. His own words. LeBron doesn't stink. I stink. He, he doesn't stink. No. But here's the thing, and th- he has an opt-out after this season, right? Two years. Two years, Two okay. Years. And I told Mr. Pom-Pom Boy, Doug Williams, when LeBron signed back with Cleveland, he tweeted out, oh, it's great, he's going back home. I said, what are you going to do when he opts out in two years when he figures out Kyrie doesn't want to share the spotlight? <clears throat> Which is what's happening right now. Now, Kyrie has to fall in line. If he doesn't fall in line, this team's not going anywhere. No. Let me put it to you this way. I don't know how we start talking about the Cavs, but who the cares? big three? The big three is something. Is, it pretty much started with Ray Allen, Kevin Garnett, and Paul Pierce, right? right. And it took them. Don't forget about Boshan Nakbar and the Nets. <laughs> who? Uh, who are the Nets? Um, <laughs> that it's kind of an idea that started. I mean, teams have had big threes. The Lakers right. had a big seven <laughs> in the eighties. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, but it's kind of started there, and then the the Heatles or whatever you want to call them. The you know. The All that. Heatles. It still took those guys a little time to gel. Yeah. Even though the Heat, even though the Heat for four years went to what four NBA Finals. Yeah. I mean, it took, still took them a little while to gel. So give them time. If they, if they still stink in January, then I'll worry about it. I, I think, especially in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, if They still stink in January. Uh, I'll worry. About I think it. the Heat will be fine. Yeah. I, I, you know. No, the Cavs. I mean, if they still, oh, if the they, Cavs. If, if the they Cavs still stink still in, January, stink in January, January, then I'll worry about yeah, it. Yeah, then you worry. But the Sixers will still stink in January, so we got that going. No for matter us. how much I, I I joke about it, it truly is a process. Y- mm-hmm. You can't put a new team together and just say, "Here, win." Look at look at what happened to the MLB All Stars in Japan. Right, and look at the Heat when LeBron first joined them. Yep, weren't they like eight and eight yeah. or something like and that? And then they won, you know, and then they won sev- like twenty five yeah. in a row. They, they won seventy five percent of their games for the next three and a half right. seasons. Right. So, and they it, went to four straight NBA. Finals. It is, as you say, it is a process. Yeah. Anyway, let's move on to baseball. baseball. Let's move on to baseball. Baseball for the love of Jesus and everything mm-hmm. that's holy. Um, Red Sox making some moves. Uh, Hanley Ramirez and. Uh, the Panda. Han Ram and the Panda. Yeah. Enjoy. Sounds like a bad buddy cop Probably movie. Yeah, it does. It, don't ever mention that again. <laughs> it, it belongs in the 80s with Mel Gibson and Danny Glover. Kenny Loggins would write the soundtrack. Yes. Guaranteed. Yes. He was like the soundtrack. He was. I'm all right. Nobody worry about Listening to the 80s on 8 the other day on the Why, way to work. you got to give me advice? He doesn't even no. say the whole world word. No. It's just advice. Advice? No advice, just advice. I didn't. I, I mean, he had what? Rocky Four, The Goonies, Top Gun, uh, oh, yeah. Caddyshack. Like these are iconic movies. Kenny Loggins. Yeah, he was. He was on an episode of Archer too. Yes, uh, it was. Tremendous. Well, Archer loves Kenny Loggins. He does. It loves the danger, danger zone. Danger zone. Yeah. So most of you probably have no idea what we're talking about, <laughs> and this okay. is degenerating into an inside joke Go- fest, and that's Google okay. It. Google it because it's our show. Google it, kids. Anyway, baseball. Um, Hanley Ramirez, Pablo Sandoval, Red know, Sox. I, this is what I said because I have Yankee fans come up to me at, at the gym um, all the time because, you know, Lou, I'm a big star on the Yes Network, and they all want my opinion. Mm. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't want to be the first one to laugh. Sorry. Go ahead. You know me, and no. if you know me, you know I'm joking. Yeah. But, but 
people do ask your fans. Opinion. Fans do come up and ask mm-hmm. me all the time, and and I, I I'll, I'll sit there and I'll listen to them, and they all get worried. What are we gonna do? The Red Sox signed Hanley Ramirez and and Pablo Sandoval, mm-hmm. and I I just deadpan to them. I say, could either one of them pitch? Yeah, <laughs> and they say. What? <laughs> Hanley Ramirez no. might fit right in on the last two years Yankee teams because he can't stay healthy. That's A. B. And he's going to play left field, apparently? What about this? Isn't he a shortstop? In theory. How about this? I was a shortstop in Little League, too, but I don't quite have the body type for that anymore. Hockey goalie. Yeah. <laughs> like left out. Anyway, go ahead. Stop. Anyway, didn't Joe Girardi manage Hanley his rookie year in Florida? Yeah, he did. Uh, Joe Girardi's the manager of the Yankees right now? Mm-hmm. Were the Yankees even involved to going after Hanley Ramirez? Not from anything I've heard. Does that tell you something? Maybe a little bit? Maybe a little bit. A skosh? Maybe a skosh. Not just a little, not just a lot. What it, ten, was it from 10 <laughs> Things I Hate About You? Not just a little bit, not at all. <laughs> yeah. No, it, it does because... Who needs a laugh track when you have Sheeran on the show? It does because that's not the contract. That's not the player. The Yankees wanted one or the other. Would if, if they wanted the player and had to give him the contract to get him, or they were okay with the contract, but it's not quite the player they wanted. Fine, the second one's a little iffy, but neither one fit the bill of what they want to do. I know the Yankees need a shortstop. I know the Yankees need a third baseman, and it seems like they're leaning mm-hmm. towards bringing Headley back for yeah. third. Correct. Who who now may be kind of. All, all in San Francisco Giants, all in on him. So yeah, now it now it, Jack Curry mentioned that last night on right. Hot Stove that maybe now this is something that changes this changes the landscape that Sandoval's off the market before Thanksgiving. Well, but yes, Yan- I well, I agree they need a left side of the infield. I, I, yeah, and they need a shortstop, mm-hmm. uh, second base. I think go. They don't need a second base. No, they don't. Need they a don't. Second baseman. Because, Martin Prado is yeah, perfectly Prado, They have Prado. I'm great with Gardner and left. They still have Ellsbury, who who was good. I mean, he got hurt, but he was good. He was one. Of, he was <clears throat> probably the one guy they brought in that yep. performed on a consistent basis. I, I'm going to say this right Besides now. Besides Brandon McCarthy, after they brought well, him, yeah. In. I'm going to say this right now to every Yankee fan who's listening. Take that season, Jacoby Ellsbury hit 32 homers and 90 RBIs and was in the MVP race. Throw it in the garbage and forget about it, because Brady Anderson hit 50 home runs one year. Whether that was Natural or not, still remains to be seen. But we need Piscopo here. <laughs> Brady Anderson hit 50 home runs once. Once. Thank you, Johnny Danger. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> you can thank my uncle for me getting that. Actually, um, th- that is that is a season that it was an aberration. He will not put together two consecutive seasons with that good of a home run total. RBIs. He had what 70 something last year. So yeah. I can't say that. That is an aberration. Jacoby Ellsbury is a mid mid to high teens home run hitter. It's fifty to eighty RBIs depending on where in the order he hits. Two seventy five hitter steals bases. That is his game. I'll take that it. That is the player you got. I'll take basically it. a high rent Brett Gardner. Right. So you have two of them. But enjoy I'll, it I'll for what that. it is. It, it 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 makes the defense better. Absolutely. Because every outfield in in the league can't contain these two. I mean. Any ball hit out there, they're going to pretty much 99% of the you time. you got two guys that down. in some outfields could almost play it by themselves. Right. Absolutely. Left center and right center. Yep. Uh, and right field, Beltron, ho- hopefully, you know, <clears throat> he'll stay healthy. You see, this is the common denominator in New York sports, with the exception 
of the hockey teams who the Islanders are out to a ridiculous yeah. start and the Rangers. Well, are, the Rangers have had their own problems with Dan Boyle and Derek yeah, Stepan. Dan Boyle went out the first game yeah, of the first season game and Stepan didn't even wrist. start. Yeah, Stepan didn't himself. start. Uh, but they're back mm-hmm. and 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 they're doing all right. And whenever you have Hank in goal, you're fine. Yeah. Um, the Islanders. I'm glad to see this. The last season at the barn, their fans are are getting uh, a much much weighted, yeah. much anticipated. And their superstar season. hasn't even really gotten started. No, yet. Tavares hasn't yeah. started. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and and they're playing really well. And they they've added a couple of key pieces, especially on defense yeah. and in net, <laughs> obviously. Well, yeah. Uh, Halak has been amazing. Yaro Halak, he's been great. Um, baseball to hockey, sorry about that. I'm the king of tangents here. Sorry, we'll get back to baseball here. But I just think if the Yankees, and, and you correct me if I'm wrong, because you're Mr. Yankee for YesNetwork.com, and that's one of the reasons why I'm glad we're doing this now because, uh, you know, when Joe was here, I was really involved with the minor leagues, and now you have taken it over and you do a great job with Thank that. Thank you. Um, so now we could sit here, especially during baseball season, and talk not only Yankees, but, you know, their entire minor league system. And I like to stay involved with that. So I just think the Yankees need to go after one of these. I know you don't want to spend a lot of money, <clears> but – and I know you, I wouldn't give them a lot of years because I don't want another CC Sabathia. But it, at the beginning, I didn't want Max Scherzer on this team. But I think if you're going to spend the money, spend it on a guy – who is a lockdown number one ace, because this is the other thing I talk about at the gym ad nauseum. They're all worried about the pitching staff. Well, you should be, because (laughs) CeCe Sabathia, you don't know if he'll he'll throw one pitch and his knee just gives out and he's done forever. Um, Hiroki Kuroda, who knows if he's coming back. There were rumors that he would be back for one more year, but we still don't know where that is. Um, And it's not Japan. Uh, Somebody in Japan actually said he wanted to play one more year in the States. But who knows where that's going to be. So he's Mr. Reliable. You would hope he would come back to the Yankees because he's a great fourth or fifth option in the rotation. You might be a one (laughs) if things break the wrong way for the Yankees. He was a one at the end of the Yeah, he was. Um, Tanaka's uh, Tanaka, elbow could be the same way as Sabathia's knee. He could throw yeah. one pitch and be done for a Tanaka's year and a half. Tanaka's elbow is done for a year and a half if he throws a pitch the wrong way or if he just try. you know. Yeah. You're looking at the – I don't want to call Sabathia even top of the rotation. You can't. He's like three-plus, if you ask me. He's Yeah, he's now needs to become more of an Andy Pettit, somewhat powerish but more crafty hey, lefty. Get, get get through five or six innings yeah. and get to the bullpen. You know what, Jarrett Wright, you remember Jarrett Wright yeah. when he was the fifth starter for the Yankees? He was six innings and out every every game, and you know what? He had a solid year. Yeah. Sabathia can do that with the bullpen. We'll take it. Wasn't really worth $7 million a season. <laughs> no, no. But Sabathia not, might not be worth $25 million a uh, season going see, forward. So. See, that, this is exactly why. I, uh, listen, it's not my money. I, I, I'm not... I'm not the Yankees. I'm not mm-hmm. writing the checks. But these big contracts, if you cannot see, if you cannot learn like the War Games computer whopper that these long contracts do not – they're not pretty towards the end. That's why I didn't understand the Marlins, although there is an opt-out after the six-year. Let's be honest. He is not going to f- – Finish that no, entire contract. No, he will not finish with the Marlins. Even if he opts out and resigns, that contract as it stands is not going to be completed. I think everyone knows that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is what it is, but I, I just can't, no matter how old you are, he's 25, he'll be 38 when the contract is over, hypothetically, if it goes mm-hmm. the distance and then he doesn't opt out, which is 
asinine because he's gonna opt if he if he's ridiculous mm-hmm. over the next six years, yeah. he's going to opt out because the back end of that deal is backloaded. But if you do it hypothetically and just do it by the years, what he may what he could make if he has a monster six seasons is going to outweigh yeah, that. I, I think I did the math. It was seven years and 175 million would be left on it, and that would be a bargain for the Marlins. But That's I what Jacoby Ellsbury just got, right? Right. So you're telling me if this kid is putting up numbers like Lou Gehrig over the next six years, he's not going to go in there and go, oh, uh -uh. uh-uh, we're renegotiating. No, yeah, absolutely. So uh, bad example. Sorry. And this is why I like having Lou here, too, because he could call me out on things and correct me. Um, But as far as the Yankee goes, uh, you, you let me know if I'm wrong. Go after starters. You need to go. I wouldn't even mind if they went after Scherzer and Lester. My my personal preference of, of the group is Lester, but I agree with you. And my personal preference for Lester is two things. Handedness and where he came from. Guy pitched in Boston yeah. for nine years, and he's a lefty. Now... See you're that, not gonna yeah. you're not gonna take David Ortiz out of the lineup when John Lester's pitching because David Ortiz is David Ortiz. Mm-hmm. You're not gonna take Chris Davis out of the lineup. You're not gonna take elite left-handers out of the lineup. What you are gonna do is turn around. I'm just gonna throw names out here. Just you're gonna turn around a Nick Swisher to the right side of the plate to avoid him getting into a Yankee Stadium home run. You're going to turn around a guy like. Well, Beltran. I mean, yeah. he'd be on the same team, yeah. but like you're going to turn around guys who hit le- switch hitters who hit lefty and mediocre lefty hitters who can succeed in Yankee Stadium and look at Robinson Cano's home run total to tell you how much a little bit of talent and a lot of Yankee Stadium's right field fence can help. You're going to take that away. And cap- 81 times a year. Captain obvious here, but he he he's a lefty, and we know how hard it is for lefties to it, pitch at Fenway. He's a bulldog. And. <clears throat> Uh, duh, he's pitched at Fenway almost his entire yep. career. So that would be solid. But I agree with you. For the Yankees. I, I absolutely 100% agree with you that they should sign someone yeah. in that group. My thought process <laughs> has entirely changed as far as the Yankees' offseason moves should be made. And at first, I didn't want them to go out and spend money mm-hmm. on these high priced starters because, you know, CC Sabathia raises red flags. Now, look. I always say, I've always said on this podcast, he could be on my team anytime because his arm could be hanging off and he won't tell you and he'll go out there and he'll pitch. And when he, yep. he stinks... Uh, he, he still gets through six innings. He still gets through six innings. He still, you know, he's that horse that yep. he's always been. Maybe he's not going eight, but he'll battle and he'll get you yep. through six, as Lou just said. And then, like Phil Hughes, and I know a lot of Yankees fans didn't like Phil Hughes, but after games, if they stunk... They were in front of their lockers, and they answered yep. every single question without being ridiculously offensive to the media like other guys or can being, be. Or being Yvonne Nova saying, I had good stuff tonight when he gave up nine runs in two and a third innings. Or Ian Kennedy when he yeah. gave up the eight runs. Phil, Phil Hughes, 30, 35 times he tried it out there, and he won four games. And every time he's like, you know what? I'm doing what I can. It's just not working. He yeah. was honest. He was, he was, he was always honest. honest. And CC, too. as soon as you walk in that locker room, he's by his locker. Phil Hughes yeah. was by his locker. And as a member of the media, when you're trying to do a job, you fans, you know, mm. you see it from another perspective, just what he does on the mound. I see it from battling on the mound. And as soon as they get off the mound, these pitchers aren't done. They go right to the weight room. 
I learned that this year when I did a behind-the-scenes with the Yankees trainer. They get off the mound, even relievers. You'll have a guy like a Boone Logan who used to be a Yankee or uh, who was the lefty that they had that they sent down to uh, Washington this year? Matt Thornton. Matt Thornton. Matt Thornton would come in and face David Ortiz, one batter. He would run off the mound. Oh, you think he's done? No. He goes right to the weight room. He's in the weight room for an hour doing his conditioning and, and lifting weights mm-hmm. so he's ready for the next day. Mm-hmm. You know, these are the things that fans don't realize. You know, a pitcher goes through a six-inning, seven-inning start. Their day's not over. They're in the weight room. They're constantly working. So I have nothing but respect for guys like CC, mm-hmm. guys like Phil Hughes, who do put the work in. Yep. You know, the result always might not be what you, the fan, wants or, or, or you know, they want personally, mm-hmm. individually – but it's not like they're not putting forth the effort. The second half of the season, I watched Chris Capuano 20 or 30 times in the locker room with a shot put size heavy ball just throwing, just making that motion, loosening his shoulder, doing things like that. That's the kind of stuff they do that you don't see. Yeah, and, you know, it's guys <clears> like <throat> that who, who know they're towards the end of their career and they know they have to work hard, even harder than they did when they were younger to stay in the damn league. Yep. You know, I, I always say this too, and, and – there's 30 teams. There are 25 men on the, ro- on the active roster. Do the math. That's 750 men. That's it. Out of how many in the population of the United States? Out of how many guys get drafted every year? Right. Let's it, just put it that How many guys get drafted every it's year? It's less than 1%. I mean, it's yeah. like minuscule. I have nothing but respect for every individual who puts on a major league uniform. Um, there's just so much that goes into – now, look, if you disrespect the game, I lose respect for you. And there's some players who do that. But the work and the the frustrations you go through, you know, you think about the stories like Mantle and Jeter who cried and wanted to go home, and wanted to go home when they went down to their first spring training. And look at the careers these Who guys. made 56 errors at, right. at Class A in 1992. Right. Yeah. He wanted to go home. He yeah. didn't want to – and he's a Hall of Famer. First ballot, possibly first unanimous Hall of Famer. Just no think less. about it right now. The, the year 2020 is going to have Derek Jeter's two with the pinstripes. Those are going to be the twos in that because he's yeah. going in. And Mo is going to be in the year before that in 2019. So it's going to be. And Chipper it. Jones will be in the year before that. Yeah. yeah. So that's three as guys he, that exemplify yeah. everything that's right in sports right there. Yep. Absolutely. I think we did a good job. I think so. I, you know, I For mapped our out my voyage. I mapped out my Yankees. What I think they should do a couple weeks ago on Yes Men. So go back through the archives and listen to that if you're interested. Okay. And you know, you and I have gone through it. I, I agree with you a lot. Not in, in only things, do you but... get the podcast Mm-mm. every week, you have archives. That's right. You have archives you could go through. They come straight to your phone if you're subscribed to on iTunes, which you can rate and review with the Chris Sheeran Show if you're subscribed to on iTunes. I, I think Doug used need... to do that for the Yes Men. I don't know if I did that very well. Doug used to be the one that used to do that. So if uh-huh. I, I hope I did that okay. I'll learn. That's okay. Yeah. That's okay. And maybe there should be a Chris Sheeran media library where you can just not even walk in, sit in your <laughs> underwear and <laughs> download stuff from your computer. <laughs> it'll be on – it'll – just be on the campus of, of your alma mater, the Rowan University, Chris Sheeran Media Library. Yeah, Rowan Professors. Can we do something about our nickname, please? Could we, could we, I understand it was a teaching college, but it was when we opened back in 1926, for the love of God. Can we change our nickname from the professors to something a little bit more threatening? 
the whooping, like the paper clips, the whooping crane, perhaps <laughs> like TCU, <laughs> the bull weevil. Oh God, Arkansas State. I think there's somewhere in our Arkansas Monticello, the bull weevils. Oh boy, I got nothing but love for Rowan. A good friend of mine from Temple, as a matter of fact, a fellow graduate of Temple Update, our broadcast journalism program, went over there, learned from our executive producer guru. Rick Beardsley, God rest his soul, one of the greatest men I've ever met. Hmm. Learned everything he knew from him and went over to Rowan and is doing the same thing. Good. There. So, I mean, See? I got nothing but love for, for South Jersey. The Rowan and Temple you know bond continues on here on YesNetwork.com and on iTunes. And on iTunes. The Yes Men and the Chris Sheeran Show <clears throat> merged as one. I hope you guys had fun listening. Lou and I had fun discussing various New York sports. Is it, is it time for the final thought? The Springer final thought. Oh, of the day. you want to do it? I'm down because I got one. Oh, go ahead. I got one. Go I, I'll let you go for it. No, no, no. Do me? your final okay. thought. Um, I'm going to go Jeopardy on you. I was going to do this. Okay. I was going to do this on the perils of social media, mm-hmm. based on the uh, ESPNU reporter at Alabama that had some choice words for Jameis Winston, and the sports writer in California who's up for Sports Writer of the Year who asked uh, BC beat that rapist on Twitter. Oh, good. Maybe, you know, journalists. I, somewhere in my AP style book, uh, it, the word alleged is still there. Yes, yes. Instead, I'm going to go Jeopardy on you, and I'm going to involve you in this. Oh, okay. The answer is Baltimore, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Miami, Buffalo, Detroit, San Francisco, Chicago, Houston. Boop, boop, boop. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. That is teams that have a better record than the Atlanta Falcons that are currently not in the NFL playoffs if they started today. Wow. The Atlanta Falcons are four and seven. Right. They are four and zero oh in the a- NFC South, which is unequivocally possibly the worst division in football history, <laughs> not just this year. And zero oh and seven outside of it, with you know the loss to Cleveland being a stinger. Yeah. Baltimore, Pittsburgh, and Cleveland are all seven and four. The entirety of the AFC North is seven and four. Only one of them is in the playoffs right now, based on tiebreakers. And that would be the Ravens. that would be. Actually, it's the Steelers. Steelers it's the Steelers right now. Because the Ravens have yep. the tie. Miami and Buffalo are 6-5. and five. Detroit and San Francisco in the NFC are 7-4 and four, are currently out of the playoffs because Dallas and Seattle are the wild cards. The Atlanta Falcons are going to host someone on wild card weekend if this trend continues. The 2-9 and nine Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who have the number three pick in the draft if it were to happen today, are two games out of first place. <laughs> Faux John Madden, which is a fun Twitter read, yes, tweeted is. coming in January, the 5-11 and 11 Bucks host the 12-4 and 4 Packers in the NFC Wild Game uh. live from Tampa Bay. What's wrong with that picture? Football is the one sport where I think adding to the playoffs makes sense. It would be you could add another team in each league, have the number one team be the only team to receive a bye, you get two more TV slots of greatness on Saturday and Sunday of Wild Card Weekend. Everybody's happy. Let me ask you this. There's seven teams right now that would be salivating for that while watching a 4-7 and seven team get clobbered by a much better team on Wild Card Weekend. If the Falcons make the playoffs, does Mike Smith keep his job? Oh. <laughs> yeah. I mean, let, uh, if the Saints make the playoffs, does Sean Payton keep his job? Uh. All laughing aside, I mean they've had to deal with a lot of injuries this year. Yeah. The Falcons, and who hasn't? Yeah, and they're and they're still leading that division because it's that bad. They lost three offensive linemen in one yeah. week. I yeah. mean that's that's terrible. so. So as my final thought, I say this: right, all those who are against the NFL expanding the playoffs, here's your reason why. Yeah, you, you, no, there's just no way you can do it. It it 
it detracts. It makes so many things uh, not important. It, you know, it, it, it detracts from the teams that actually have good seasons. I remember a Patriot team that was 11-5 and five that didn't make the That was playoff. the year that Matt Castle was their quarterback after Tom Brady got Brady, there. first week yeah. out. I remember an 11-5 and five Dan Reeves Broncos-led team that did not make the playoffs. I remember a 10-6 and six Arizona Cardinals team that didn't make the playoffs because it was last year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, now look, I remember also a... Seven and nine Seahawks team beating a Saints team in Seattle. In Seattle, <laughs> after they had beaten the Rams in St. Louis the week before yeah. to win the NFC West. Yeah. at seven and with nine with a seven and nine record. So, uh, agreed. Th- that's exactly why you don't expand the NFL playoffs because you're going to have. If you did it this year, if you had two extra teams, well, you wouldn't get two teams from the South. Obviously, you would get Baltimore, Pittsburgh, or Cleveland, and Detroit or San Francisco is who you would get if yeah. you expanded the playoffs. But maybe. The NFL can look into not necessarily guaranteeing a home game. I mean, you can only play what's in front of you. I understand that schedule. You can only do what's you can only play the teams that are in front of you. But in the NFL, where the majority of teams play very similar schedules, why is a team that's lost to Cleveland, a team that's lost to well, you know what? I'm not even name teams. A team that's lost to everybody they've played that isn't in their own division is going to have a home game against a team like oh, let's see who would be the number five seed right now. Oh, Dallas. Why are they going to host Dallas? You will never hear me defend the Dallas Cowboys unless their opponents are like Satan, Stalin, Hitler, and, you know, <laughs> the, worst of the, the worst of the worst in history. Being an Eagles fan, how, yes. How is that fair? It's not. And that's why you don't expand the playoffs. That's exactly why you don't expand the playoffs. Because right now we're, we're having this issue now. If you expand the playoffs, it's just going to get worse. It'll be interesting to see how the NHL handles this in the next few years because now that the wild divi- cards, well, now that divisions are guaranteed three playoff teams, yeah, it's going to be kind of interesting. That could be a, a case study in it too, but that remains to be my seen. final point is the Falcons stink, yeah, okay, and they're in the playoffs. Drop Mike. I really didn't have a final thought, but I guess I'll talk about the Nets for a couple minutes if sure. I have to. Why not? Just because I follow this team for obvious reasons. They're one of the reasons I'm here at the Yes Network, the Yankees and the Nets, the, the two teams that we cover. Um, I, I cannot get for the life of me why this team is 5-8. and eight. I can't. I understand it's the sixth coach in seven years for a guy like Brooke Lopez. And the tension between Brooke Lopez and Lionel Hollins could be cut with a plastic knife. I mean, it is so obvious the frustration that these two show between each other during games. You, you wonder how Brooke even functions on the floor. And I, I know Hollins is an old-school coach. I know he's trying to get the most out of his players. I understand Brooke Lopez's frustrations, though. This guy, and if you include Tom Baris in the mix, which you shouldn't, but technically you do, over the seven years he's been with the team, He's had seven different coaches. Lawrence Frank, Tom Baris, Kiki Vandaway, Avery Johnson, Jason Kidd, Lionel Hollins, P.J. Carlissimo. Seven different guys. Now look, Brooke has been hurt the past three years. His first three seasons, he played every single game, 82-82-82. In the four seasons since, including this year, he's played 40%. Of the game. So 100% down to 40%. So I asked Donnie Marshall this. I asked everybody who I talked to about the Nets this. Are we asking 
too much from Brook Lopez too soon? Is Lionel Hollins pushing him too much coming off the injury too soon? Should he just let him get his feet under him? Should he let him get acclimated to the new system before he gets in his head and starts bouncing around in there? Because there isn't, to me, being in the locker room a lot, filling in for Sarah, uh, doing a lot of studio work for the Nets, there, there aren't too many competitors like Brooke Lopez. There aren't. He takes losses hard. He was a part of that 12-win lo- team back in 2009-2010 where it seemed like every time we were, Jessica Taffer and I were walking into that locker room, it was a losing locker room. It was the year they went 0-18. He's seen it all. That was the year where they had like they were signing guys off the street to make the minimum eight healthy players. Pretty right? much. Yeah. Pretty much. So <laughs> Lopez has been through the battles. But I cannot for the life of me. I thought putting him back into the mix, and I know he got hurt in the last two weeks of the season, and Sarah and I have talked about this too. When you don't, and, and she played in college. Sarah was a great player at DePaul. When you don't play, when you don't do any basketball activities for two weeks, it takes you a while to get back into basketball shape. You can't wave a magic wand, especially when you're a seven-footer and get up and down the floor and try to run with a surgically repaired foot on top of everything. But that aside, I cannot for the life of me understand why this Nets team is 5-8 and eight right now. Why this Nets team lost to the Minnesota Timberwolves. Why this Nets team got absolutely destroyed on opening night up in Boston, giving up 121 points. Making Kelly Olynyk look like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Kelly Olynyk. They have the talent. Darren Williams. You have Jarrett Jack backing him up. And when those two are on the floor together, when Darren could play off the ball, I think the team's even better. Jack is doing a great job coming off the bench. Joe Johnson. Joe Johnson, when he shows up and he hit his, when he hits his shots, this team, in my estimation, it's unbeatable. Let's just do the starters. Darren Williams, Joe Johnson, Kevin Garnett, Brooke Lopez, and Boyan Bogdanovich, who is coming along. He's led the team in scoring two or three times already in he's, 13 games, he's right? He's dropped 22 points twice. He's coming along. This is his first year coming out of mm-hmm. Europe. They have the talent. Allen Anderson coming off the bench. He's no slouch. Jared Jack coming off the bench. Mason Plumley coming off the bench. You know, he was one of the bright spots last year. Now he's getting buried. Buried, however you say it. I get made fun of for my Jersey accent saying buried. I say buried, sorry. Andre Karolenko is not going to be on a team too much longer. From what I'm reading, he might be heading back to Utah, which would probably suit him just fine. He has a house out there. His kids pretty much are there anyway. So he'd just be going back home. And I've seen the floor just about as much as Karolenko this season. It just didn't work. Him and Brooklyn just didn't work. Uh, now, look, it, we talked about this earlier. It's a process. It is a process. This is... 
you know, a new lineup. It's a new, another new head coach. But there is no way in my head that I could figure out why this Nets team is 5-8. and eight. And their next game is against a Philadelphia 76ers team who still hasn't won a game this year. Sorry, Lou. 0-14. The last team to start 0-14 was the 2009-2010 Nets. We know how that ended. And I'm telling you right now, if the Nets can't go down to Philly, Philly has lost 10 games by double digits. The four, game, there's other, the four other games that they lost by 3.2 points. I think they lost to Miami by 8. Uh, the Magic by two, the Rockets by one. Yeah, there's a couple of close ones in there, but... There were. But if they can't go down there and handle their business in Philly against a team that hasn't won a game yet, look, I know it's a long season, but that would sting for an awful long time. You want to come back to Brooklyn off this three-game pre-Thanksgiving road trip with a 2-1 record. You know, you take that loss to the Spurs, who, who you have at home, in the next week, by the way. They're the defending NBA champions. They're the defending NBA champions. They, they are a machine, a well-oiled machine, coached by probably one of the <clears> best <throat> coaches in my lifetime. Any lifetime. And Greg Popovich. So you go to Philly, you take care of business, you come home 6-8, and eight, and you get back to work. And with the talent on this team, I would be shocked, shocked, if they're not competing with the Raptors for Atlantic Division supremacy. If the Nets aren't, you know, in the ballpark, which they aren't right now, but if they aren't by the time this process comes through, color me shocked. They weren't at this time last year, and look what happened. Exactly. Still a long way to, there's still 70 games to go. And Godspeed to my twin brother, Jason Kidd. <laughs> we, oh, know it's, we know it's coming to you, Joe. Yeah. And it was. Yeah. It was great. That was great, man. Comes off the bench. We know it's coming to you. Yep. And it did. That was a great return to uh, Nets coverage for me. You know, after being off for three weeks with my eye surgery, I come back and they go into triple overtime for me. I'm like, thanks, guys. Yeah. Caught, me, caught me up on Nets basketball real quick. Call me Mr. Overtime. It never fails. I think <sighs> I, I hosted five shows. And every time I come in, the studio crew goes, oh, here's Mr. Overtime. And the first four shows, nothing. All regulation games. And then triple OT. And then triple OT. And I looked at all of them. See, you had to open your mouths. The the basketball gods are making up for all the other times. So, yeah. Would it be weird if I brought my Donnie Marshall UConn jersey from when I was 12 in and hung it in my queue? Would that be weird when he would play, I think? He would sign it for you. He would would (laughs) giggle his rear end off. He would love that. Anyway, I, I think this was a good maiden voyage. For I the think new. so, and uh, we'll be back in December with, uh, you know, this is like the pilot. It's the Chris Sheeran men. What? Sheeran men show, men, men, men. <laughs> Sheeran show. <laughs> that I like. Yeah. SNL dog show. Anyway, we're going to wrap it up before this continues to get hijinks and hilarity back to the 80s. Uh, for Lou DiPietro, I am Chris Sheeran, and we will see you, God willing, next week for a brand new show on iTunes for free and yesnetwork.com.